The March to Wedded Bliss continues this week as the groom, my co-host, Justin Rosenbluth, joins me to present the My Favorites collection. We haven't brought the My Favorites out in a while, but we're bringing it out this week here on Kicking Out at Two as Justin tells us why his favorite wrestler, Brett the Hitman Hart, is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Welcome to another edition of Kicking Out at Two. Like I said, My Favorites Collection. For some of you out there that are unfamiliar with it, My Favorites is a concept that Justin helped create here on Kicking Out at Two where we discuss favorite wrestlers, favorite matches, favorite storylines. We discuss those at length, our particular memories um, of those individual moments, matches, events, whatever the case may be, and, uh, you know, relive, reimagined in uh, a reimagined fashion, I should say, um, with the My Favorites collection. And uh, we've done a few My Favorites before. We did one on Ric Flair last year with uh, my good buddy Bull Dredd. We covered uh, Chris Donovan's favorite SummerSlam match, Shawn Michaels and Triple H from 2002. Um, one of my favorite wrestling events I ever went to was uh, the first night that all four of us Rosenbluth boys got together for Monday Night Raw, October the 23rd, 2000. Um, and now the My Favorites is uh, making a return here with Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh why don't I introduce the man of the hour, the 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 soon to be groom, if you will. The 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 countdown is on, like you said last week on our wedding, uh, our wedlocked countdown edition of kicking out at two. Here he is, Justin. What's going on, man? Not much. You know, this is uh, this one's a we could go episode upon episode on on my uh, love for Brett the Hitman Hart, but uh, yeah, we're gonna have to squeeze it into a to a nice pod of casting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, before we do, uh, just to remind you all, we are part of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean, where you can find this show and all of our backlog, backlog archived episodes. That was not easy to say. Um, over at Podbean, you can search for those under the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network channel. Um, and when you search for it, uh, you can also find it on Google Play, iTunes, if it's still a thing, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and all the podcast platforms available. We're also on SoundCloud.com, as well as you can find the links, if, if it's easier for you, on our social media, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, as well as our Twitter handle, at Kicking Out 2. Um, if you, if, you, if you got this uh, link from our Facebook and Twitter pages, then uh, drop a line in the comments and tell us what your favorite moment of Bret the Hitman Hart's career is. So your favorite Bret Hart match, whatever it is. It's all things Bret Hart this week here because my man over here, Justin, is getting married. And this is the individual that, uh, that, that, that made him fall in love with professional wrestling like Hulk Hogan did for me, Bret Hart did for him. So, uh, you know, if you got any Bret Hart memories, hit us up on social media and let us know. Um, all right, let's start. Let, let, let's start with your first memory of watching Bret the Hitman Hart wrestle, and what about him attracted you to him, made him your guy? Um, again, I've said before, you know, I've watched professional wrestling longer than I can remember, so I couldn't tell you my first memory of of Bret Hart. You know, as I, I like to joke and say, you know, I've 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 known what wrestling is and that I love it. And, you know, in this case, Bret Hart, as long as I've known who you are, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it, just, yep. you know, in terms of you know, consciousness. Um, <clears throat> so I can pinpoint a particular first time that I saw Bret and I said, that's my guy. 
Um, he just always was my guy. Um, but I think the things that really drew me to him is that he wasn't, he wasn't a big monster, larger than life character in terms of size or anything like that. Um, you know, but I would say, you know, he, he visually speaking, he was still, he still stood out, you know, pink mm -hmm. wearing, you know, the, you know, donning pink as a, as, yeah. a, as a, as a man, you know, when, you know, gender labels were a thing, you know, more thing back then, particularly, you know, you know, that was his, that was his, uh, his, his, his colors, um, you know, the hair, you know, the, 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 the slicked hair and, you know, kind of just that, that type of, um, you know, look to him, I, you know, you know, meet a lot of people that look like that even today. Yep. Um, you know, the sunglasses, that's trademark Bret Hart. Yeah. I mean, the leather jacket, you know, yep. um, and again, he was just an average looking guy and I don't mean, you know, still a, a, an athlete, Yeah. but, um, he wasn't, um, like it seemed like that's, he, he wasn't playing a character and it never seemed like, and I don't think that was a conscious thought, but you know, he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, cutting the promo, yay, rah, rah, you know, I'm going to beat you this Sunday, you know, I, you know, and with, with fancy, you know, slick, you know, turn, turns of phrases, mm -hmm. um, that were like, wow, that was really poetic. He was just a, a guy. He yeah. was, he was a very lunch pale guy still is, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why I think people connect to them so much to this day. He's, he's, he's so much like you or I, um, you know, and of course, you know, his, his history or his, his, his public life as a member of the, the famed Hart family, you know, again, I've said before in other episodes, you know, that, that, that's relatable to people with families, yeah. you know, uh, you know, he's, he's got a mom, he's got a dad, he's got brothers and sisters, you know, do you ever, did you ever hear about Hulk Hogan's parents? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, where they talked about, you know, did this guy wrestle for, you know, you know, you knew where he was from, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he was, he was, his background could, was very public. Yeah, exactly. You could, you could find it on a map. And I remember saying to, um, our friends, Ken and Michelle, when, when we first met, you know, I know where Calgary, Alberta, Canada is because of Bret Hart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those, that, everything about Bret Hart. If you didn't Hart, know Bret Hart, you wouldn't know where Calgary is. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I, my curiosity, you know, about all things were surrounding Bret Hart because of his, how public his personal life was, uh, made me feel more like he was more like me than you know, a guy in face paint. Yep. So, you know, those are the things that right away that stick out as far as what attracted me to him for sure. Now you've said in prior episodes when we've talked about Brett, especially the rivalry with Owen, um, that's your early conscious, the most conscious memory you have of Brett, the Hitman heart. Um, you know, you being born 1989, you're 30 now. Um, you obviously weren't born or remember the classics with the British Bulldogs or the classics with Demolition, even the Rockers. Um, have you watched any of that stuff going back um, with with the advent of WWE Network oh, over the years? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. What, what are some of the, What are some of the matches in 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 the 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 Hart Foundation's run that you remember the most that you would like to share with us? Um, I always remember, and again, even before the WWE Network, when we had VHS recordings, DVDs, and, yeah, know, stuff like that. You know, I was, I can't tell you how many times I watched uh, SummerSlam 1991 just to see him and Mr. Perfect. I know that's after his Heart Foundation yep. run was over, but just you know, that's how I saw Bret Hart. You know, home videos um, and things like that. Um, as far as his tag team run goes. 
I don't have any like strong memories other than like, again, I already knew it was it was already ingrained in my brain that he was Bret Hart one half of the Hart Foundation. Yep. His brother-in-law was Jim the Jim the Anvil Nightheart. You know, they were they were a family unit. Yep. They were a unique tag team to me because every other tag team, the two guys were the same. Yeah. You know, the British Bulldogs, both Davey and, and Dynamite, were clones of each other in many yeah. respects. Sean and Marty, they're very much the same person. You know, the Road Warriors, Demolition, same thing. But like, Brett and Anvil were opposites. They, yeah, they, were, they contrasted each other in a way that complemented each yep. other, as, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. And that, I thought, was so cool and so unique. Um, and, be, again, without really knowing how or why they were considered the best tag team of their time or one of, I just knew it already. So it was like this built-in like a reputation that I already knew about because I sat in a crib while you watched wrestling on Saturday mornings and it was just on. I just yep. knew about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, again, I can't I can't nail it down to mm-hmm. when or how. Um, I always I remember watching, you know, home videos. You know, we had a we had a home video like of a retrospective of like WrestleMania's and there was um you know, I always thought like it was so cool that Bret Hart was the the last guy eliminated in the WrestleMania Two Battle Royal by Andre the Giant. Hmm. You know, before Bret Hart was the Hitman. You know yep. what I mean? Uh, so like to me, I was like, man, that's so cool. Like you know, in my mind, I was like, that's that's where it all started. You know, but it really wasn't. You know, yeah. um, little things like that. You know, I was always very curious about that stuff. As the network came along, the treasure trove I could dive into there. Um, you know, I, I you know Bret Hart's collection of matches to me is, is, is like an art museum. Um, again, his match with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam, his match with Davey Boy at SummerSlam the following year in Wembley Stadium. Um, again, his classics with Owen. You know, th- those were, those to me, those stand the, stand the test of time. You know, those are some of the best matches ever, you know, even now. Um, you know, in many ways, you know, people talk about Flair and Steamboat. I talk about Brad and Sean. Yeah. Um, those, will, those will forever be to me my standard you know of of watching and absorbing in real time in real time or close to it of what professional wrestling supposed to be because there was a grittiness to it there wasn't flair for the lack of a better term mm. uh to bret hart you know he was no nonsense he was he was technical but at the same time like there was a sympathy towards him the guy could take an ass kicking and, and, and come back yep and he, you know, he could fight a guy like Diesel, and by hook or crook, he'd win the match. Yeah, you know what I mean. I always marveled at what I guess many people call a Patterson quick one. You know, where he, you know, he just kind of wins out of nowhere. He doesn't. Bret Hart was the master of not of, of match match finishes that didn't involve his the sharpshooter. As as heralded as a move as that was, you know, he could win a match. You know, some of his best matches didn't end with a finisher. Yeah, it's a, it's you know a good what I mean? Point. I think that's a lost art in wrestling. Yeah, you know, to make that all make sense. Yeah, well, you know, he, no, you make he a good does point that. There, yeah. He does that, and you know I've never seen, or not never, but I, 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 I'd have to look very hard to find people who've replicated that today. Yeah. Uh, and to me, like again, it, it's he found any way to win in the most honorable way because that's what it took. Like mm-hmm. he was almost like teaching lessons to you, and you know, from TV, you know, about how to overcome adversity, and yep. that bled into real life. Interesting. And very grew up interesting. With the guy. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about some of the classics that he had, you know, that you watched in later years. Um, Mr. Perfect, SummerSlam 91. Um, Davey Boy, SummerSlam 92. Um, which, by the way, uh, we'll, we'll be covering at some point later this year. SummerSlam 1992. Um, here on Kicking Out at 2 uh, as, as SummerSlam approaches. 
uh, late July, early August, probably at some point, probably a watch party. Uh, if if the if the poll if the if the polls are heading the way they are um, currently at the time of this recording, we'll probably see a SummerSlam 1992 watch party in the very near future. Um, 1991-92, as as far as Brett Singles' career goes, was the beginning of him starting to really become a, a player on his own. Um, do you remember? And we've t- and you know. What I want to do with this podcast regarding Brett, like I know with Owen, when we did the the Owen retrospective on the anniversary of his passing, that we kind of covered like all the the notable um, career points in in his WWF WWE run. Um, with Brett here, you know, everyone's talked about the classic with Mister Perfect. Everyone's talked about the classic with Davy Boy. It goes without saying; they're they're they're, they're great matches. Um, even the match of Piper at yeah, WrestleMania eight that another year. Another Patterson quick one. He, yeah. Like that turnbuckle finish. That's yeah. been done before, and that came from Bret Hart. Yeah, as exactly. As knows. Yeah, that was you the know? first time I'd ever saw a finish like that. You was know, in and that then match. You learn, you dig a little deeper in history, and you find out Bret Hart is the person who brought the ladder match to the WWF. Yep. You know, backstage stuff you hear in interviews, and just you know, hearsay from others around him. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, he has a little bit of a, a sour taste in his mouth about how it was kind of taken away from him and given credit to Sean and mm-hmm. Razor. But if you're a real fan, in my opinion, you know that where the, the, the art form of that match concept came from and that Calgary, Calgary and, and Red Hart stampede and promotion. Yeah. The psychology behind a ladder match, which, um, is, is you still, you see them, you see flashes of that in ladder matches to this day. And, and, and it, it started with Bret Hart and you can see him in stampede. I remember seeing, a, I think we had a ladder match DVD at one point um, with like a bunch of ladder matches on them. It was like a compilation. And one of them was um, Jake the Snake against Sylvester Ritter, a.k.a. the Junkyard Dog, from Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the arena or the building that they were in was this old, dingy building. And there were like these... I don't know if you want to call them pillars, but there were these parts of the ceiling where there was like you can you could take the ladder and rest it. The ladder, the building was so small, you could take the ladder, and it was a, a painter's ladder too. Yeah, and you just rested it up against this like yeah. Uh, it was I think it was like the balcony catwalk or something. No, if that if if that building is what I think it is, I believe that's like. In Stampede, that was like the fairground building where yep. like they held a lot of the Calgary Stampede yeah, events. I believe so. Um, yeah, and I believe yeah that they like did rodeo events in there. Mm. That's like if you wanted to put a you know a comparison on it, it was like the Madison Square Garden of like you know Stampede wrestling. Yes, it was yeah. like where the, the the main TV was shot every week. So yeah, you see it in a lot of that's like the most recognizable. And I, and I wanted you know I couldn't give a name to it, but I want to say it was like yeah some sort of fairgrounds. Um, but yeah, you know, you, those you saw matches there, where the ladder match came from, and that's to me again, you know, I, Sean Razor. They put on a great show. They made history, and you know, they deserve all the acclaim. But you know, I, y- y- if you really know, have you, you seen know, the Sean Brett ladder? Ladder the first match? one? Yeah, I have. Yes. Okay. Um, and I feel like, given what Sean and Razor did, and what we've seen since then from ladder matches past 1994, 1995. I feel like that was like the the pilot episode of what a ladder match is. It wasn't okay. 
it what you look season at season premiere was WrestleMania ten. Yeah, like you yeah. would look at it today and go, ah, that wasn't that wasn't that great, but it was the beginning of something before yeah. anyone knew it either. You know, I remember for a while, like. I forget where. I think I saw it in a magazine, like a WWF magazine, the picture of Brett and Sean on the ladder and wondering where that was, where that taken place because it wasn't on regular TV. Right. It wasn't like a regular episode of Superstars or Challenge. Like it was like one of those Coliseum home video exclusive type deals. Right. Um, and then it wasn't until probably I'd say like, like five, six, seven years ago when I saw it on a DVD um, that was the first time I had ever watched it and it's a, a great analogy you just you just mentioned there uh, the pilot episode of so to speak of the of the ladder match concept in wrestling um, for that time in 1992 it was innovative and it was something different but um, in 94 it was really it was almost like Sean and Razor studied that. To, to, to put out the match that they did. But um, now, we've kind of bounced around a little bit because of your memory and your knowledge of Brett. Um, like I said, I don't want to... I mean, I do want to talk about some of these memorable moments, but I don't... I don't know. I, I feel like some of the bigger ones have been talked about to death with Perfect and Bulldog and even Piper to a degree. Do you remember when Brett won the title from Flair the first time as a kid? I don't. You don't? I don't remember okay. that. Um, but... Again, fast forward a few years later, I like he was already the champion in my opinion. You know, not like in 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 skill, in acclaim, and in the hierarchy of WWE, he was the best there is, the best there was, okay. the best there ever will be. So, no, I don't remember his him winning any parts of his first run as champion. Do you have any knowledge the of tail end? Probably, I want to say around like the WrestleMania nine time. Okay. Because to me, like, Yokozuna was, like, your Iron Sheik to yeah. Hulk Hogan. Like, he was the evil foreigner. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, this monster. Yeah. Um, and, mm. yeah, and to me, that was, like, how is he going to beat him? Yeah. You know, not will he beat him, how is he going to beat him? You yep. know? And, and I know in Brett's book, he talked about how difficult it was to put a sharpshooter on Brett. Yeah. And he managed to do it, but he had to do it in a little bit different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I just remember being like, oh my God, how's he, you know, he's going to figure it out, but how? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and as a smarter fan, like those matches are so good because of how good Yoko is too. People don't, yeah. you know, talk about that a whole lot. People think of, well, Brett carried Yoko. Yoko was just this fat guy moving around in the ring. No, Yoko is, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. You know, deserves as much credit. It takes two to tango. Um, and that's always the part in, in, you know, that I've respected about Bret Hart now and he can be a little outspoken about it, you know, that it, it really does take two to tango. You know, as, as great as he believes he is still, um, yeah. was, you know, he's not kidding when he says he was that good, but at the same time, he's... He had a good dance partner. Yeah, he always did, and he prided himself on, on working with, with lesser people, and again, he'll be very outspoken about working with a lesser-known figure that... Wasn't he, as technically sound yeah, as him. Yeah, or I mean, that he felt like he could have had something better with, but it didn't come to fruition. You know? yep. Like a guy like Vader, you yeah. know what I mean, would be a good example. Or even a guy like Bob Backlund, as good as Bob Backlund was, it just didn't really mesh with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, to me, I thought that, you know, that's just kind of... One thing I've always liked about Bret Hart to this day, and I think it, you know, we'll talk about it, I guess, later, 
you know, in his his my fandom of him is that Bret Hart is like I don't want to say the gatekeeper, but he's he's from a now, especially at this time in his life, he's from the old school where mm-hmm. wrestling is this like brethren of men and women, you know, in the secret society where it is highly respected. You know, it's an art form. It's a it's it's almost like the mafia, and. If you are the champion, you are the champion for a reason, and you believe in it, and you do everything you can to protect the business. And yeah. that's obviously that bled into other parts of life for him. But I've always respected that he's kept that. Yep. But at the same time, still in many ways, especially in the prime of his career, he was still a visionary. He was still looking for new ways to, to paint a, the same picture. Okay, yeah. No, I, um, the, uh, the, the rivalry with Yoko... Um, I probably I would say that that was probably, in my opinion, the you know how you know how Sean used to be compared to when he worked with big guys and how he could get good matches out of big guys, and he'd have a great match with Sid, Vader, Diesel, Undertaker, right? You know, just to name a few. Brett, Brett probably had some of his best matches with big men with Yoko. Oh yeah. Um, there's other guys too, but Brett was a, another one of those guys where he could he could get a quality performance out of a guy that wasn't on par with him, same level. But Yoko was in another category. Yeah. Um, but it was that, very much on Brett. Yeah. You know, despite again us heralding how great Yoko was, it was still very much on Brett. Brett was the person. He was the guy that he carried that company on that on their backs through some very lean years. Yeah. You know, and, and his his job was. While he probably saw it, you know, he, he probably envisioned himself being what Hulk Hogan was in terms mm-hmm. of the acclaim he should have gotten. Yep. You know, those years weren't there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those, those, uh, the, the interest wasn't there, and he had to go through those tough years where he wasn't just, it wasn't all about making Brett. It was all about, Brett's job was more about making the rest of the team. Yeah. Building the team. Around rather him. than, you know... Rather than the company building guys to Hogan like they did and feeding them to Hogan for mm-hmm. big money, Brett was almost having to reach down to talent in a lot of respects to bring them to his level. And he got a lot out of them that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Perfect example would be the one, two, three kid. Yep. One of the best matches in the history of Raw. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. You know, and that's not to say those guys are lesser skilled. In fact, he brought the skill out. He he let the wrestlers like Yoko and Bam Bam, who had been around for a while, you know, and, and people of that generation put down their business card and say, I'm the one, two, three kid, and this is the, this is what I bring to the table. And, you know, Tom McGee, you know, I know he didn't really, he didn't really last a, a really long. And not too much, of, yeah. But, you know, people talk about the, the heralded match, and, of course, that tape's since been released. Um, that was Bret Hart letting people know what Tom McGee's all about. Yeah. And silently, quietly. Bret Hart was doing the same exact for him, but it just yeah. probably wasn't as pronounced about him as he would have liked. Yeah, because it was more focus was on on McGee. Um, we'll get into like some of the other individuals that Brett worked with along the same vein of um, helping make the team in just a little bit. Um, his rivalry with Jerry Lawler. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that because I feel, as a kid, I remember um, Lawler, at least to me, when it came to credibility, he was on par. You've said before, Owen was public enemy number one. 
Jerry Lawler had to have not been that far behind at that time yeah. in wrestling. Uh, yeah, he was not. He was not. To me, Lawler was the consummate bully. You know what I mean? Bret Hart was family values and hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without you and you and, you know, just that that very humble character. Yeah. And Jerry Lawler was not that at all. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and the wisecracks about his family and you just, you know... You don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, as a fan, you're like, you don't say that. You know, why are you bringing his mom into this? Why are you bringing his dad into this? And at that age, I'm not laughing at the jokes. Yep. You know what I mean? I would, I laugh at him now, but, yeah. you know, to me, it was, you know, Bret Hart was the king of the ring back when that meant something. Yep. You know, I don't care if, you know, who Jerry Lawler was in Memphis and how he's the king. Yeah, you're in the I mean? WWF now. Yeah, 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 we're in the WWF. New set of rules. Yeah, yeah. Bret, Bret Hart is, is, this is Bret Hart's company. This yeah. is Bret Hart's league. Yep. And you're going to crash his parade. Yeah. You know, yeah, Jerry Lawler. I feel like those are two guys that even today, if Bret Hart was able enough to work a match, they could be doing that match on the Indies right now. Yep. You know what I mean? For, oh, yeah. For, 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 for good money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it would, it would draw people. It's one of those forever rivalries because there's such contrasting characters and they and they great chemistry with each yeah, other yeah as far as like hype and stuff yeah. I don't want to say their, their work wasn't you know Flair Steamboat or no, Brad no. by any stretch but it didn't have to be no it wasn't it wouldn't it wouldn't be meant that way less would, is more yeah exactly it was a lot of and that's the magic of Bret Hart he could do he could do that and actually didn't get a lot of credit for doing stuff like that as much as he would you know a Matt Classic yep yeah, we uh, you know with with the Lawler rivalry, it was kind of the the, the setup to get you to Brett Nowen, and we've talked a lot about Brett Nowen. Um, I plan to have you on for a, another installment of the My Favorites collection uh, at the end of August when we will sit down and watch the cage match from SummerSlam between Brett Nowen, um, celebrating the twenty five year anniversary of that on this show. Um, just briefly touch upon your overall thoughts on the Bret Hart Owen Hart rivalry, because um, we, like I said, we've t- you've touched on it a lot in other episodes. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, more on the SummerSlam '94 uh, watch party coming up, or the the cage match watch party. I should say we're not gonna watch that whole show because that whole show fucking sucked. <laughs> Just that match, but yeah, talk to me a little bit about briefly um, your thoughts on that rivalry with. Um, with, with Owen Hart in, 19, in 1994. I, I really looked at that rivalry as like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's your brother. You know, you're supposed to support your brother. You're supposed to root him, root for him, cheer him on, you know, and support him. You know, and I look, you know, you just don't do that to a brother. And again, as a child, that's how I looked at it. You know, again, as an adult, getting the adult version of that story makes me see it differently. But at the time, it was, you don't do that. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, especially with your, like, you could be alone for the ride with him, you know? And you guys could be, especially because they were as a tag, they were a tag team, so it was like, yeah. so imagine what they could be together, you know? Together is where it's at, mm-hmm. not not separately. Yeah. You know, there's, there's enough, there's enough, uh, you know, peace, there's enough pie for everyone to go, you know, to go around for everyone. And I felt that, you know, it was just like, Owen was misguided, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I looked at it. Like, he was, he was just, you know, he just, he, he just didn't understand and he was too much about himself rather than the family, the bigger picture. Not that I thought in those exact terms, but yep. um, that's how I felt about that rivalry. It was just that, you know, but as, you know, it, it grew to their matches, it was like, okay, like, he's going to realize who, how good his brother is. He's going to realize, you know, eventually that, that Brett is the better brother and that, you know, you don't mess with him. You don't, you don't, you don't 
you know, you've got to respect your elders, if you will, yep. you know, and, and you know, the, the hierarchy, the order of things, you know, <laughs> that's how I looked at it in those terms back then, um, which is ironic for me to say as the youngest of four. So, um, <laughs> that, you know, because that's how much regard I held for Greg because he was, you know, it was almost like, I guess it was almost like when Mr. Wonderful turned on Hulk Hogan, like, why would you turn on him? You know what I mean? Like, and again, I know this now years later, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's that, He's your brother, man. You don't do that to your brother. Yeah. That's how I looked at it. And, um, you know, it was just like, all right, you're going to get yours now. <laughs> you know, you're, your breath's going to teach you a lesson because you, you don't know who you messed with. Yeah, I look forward to uh, us covering that match um, from beginning to end. Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Steel Cage match, SummerSlam 1994. Later this year in August, celebrating the 25-year anniversary is another part of the my favorites collections my favorite steel cage match of all time mine too um without a doubt we've talked about this on that we talked about on the own show and we'll get into that more let's uh let's go to 1995 because this is the year where i would say this was probably brett's worst year in terms of his character and where he was and i mean the business wasn't in the greatest place either at that time um Brett kind of bookended the year with some good matches and some good outings, but in the middle of the year, he was kind of trying to help make the team yeah. with the players that he that was given to him. Um, we kind of briefly talked about it on the Owen episode. Um, well, actually, before I get to that, you know, he starts the year at the Rumble with Diesel, and, you know, they have that great championship match. But they kind of go their separate ways, and Brett's not going to be in the title picture heading into WrestleMania. Instead, he's got that stupid I quit match with Bob Backlund. Um, he moves on after winning that and is involved in a rivalry with Jerry Lawler, who is enlisted in a number of individuals over the course of this year to take out Bret Hart. You had Hakushi, um, who was in, who was a, a hired henchman, I guess you could say, of Jerry the King Lawler. Um, Hakushi claiming Bret Hart was like a bigot or a racist in 1995. See, in I didn't even understand that. Yeah. Like, I just looked at Hakushi as a very bad man and Bret Hart was a good guy. Yeah. You know? And just, you know, th to think that that was the main focal point of why Hakushi... I mean, I guess in a way you could say that like WWE tried to make that appear to be the real reason why Hakushi was had an issue with Bret Hart, but at the end of the day, it was really Jerry Lawler that had the issue, and he was just kind of putting Hakushi... Almost like brainwashing him. Yeah. Almost, and manipulating him. And then, you know, you had the Kiss My Foot match at the King of the Ring, um, which was really nothing to write home about with, with, with Bret and Lawler. But, I, but you know what, though? It kind of was, though, as a fan, as a younger fan, it was this hokey, gimmicky, I want to see Jerry Lawler kiss his foot. You know, like, this is like come up in time you know and that's how i felt about the i quit match which again is not a very good match but as a fan you know coming out of survivor series where brett lost the title unjustly um i looked at the i quit match like okay he's not gonna quit yeah you know there's no owen to screw this up you yeah. know what i mean piper's there he's a good man mm -hmm. the microphone's gonna catch backland saying i quit because brett's sure as hell not gonna do it and this yeah. is where it's all gonna lead you know and we're gonna you know you know that's the validation for the wrong doing that was done on upon Brett and that was kind of how I felt about that match and then again the kiss my foot stuff with Lawler was was more or less the same thing in terms of their history together. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of came full circle, but then, you know, Lawler, after losing, had another trick up his sleeve, and, you know, Brett was fed Isaac Yankum, the dentist. Isaac Yankum, 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 whatever you want to call him, DDS. And then after that, he goes from Isaac Yankum to um, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who is now known as... Uh, PCP. PCO. PCO, you're right, PCP. PCP. <laughs> Are you on PCP right now? Oh, jeez, it'd probably be a lot worse. But uh, yeah, PCO, Pierre Carroulette, uh part of uh, the Villain Enterprises for Ring of Honor currently. Um, who's had a resurgence in his career. Um, their rivalry came about because Pierre stole Brett's jacket. It was all yeah. about his jacket. Um, but then after that, it seemed like Brett was kind of ending 1995 on a little more serious note. He ends up defeating Diesel for the championship in 1995 um, at the Survivor Series with that roll-up. You know, he was playing possum. Um, gets one over on Diesel, wins the championship, and then ends the year on pay-per-view against the British Bulldog in a bloodbath at In Your House Seasons Beatings. Um, talk to me about overall the year that Bret Hart had in 1995 with the storylines, the match quality, the rivalries. Um, how does Bret Hart's 1995 look to you? Look like to you now, as opposed to when you were well, it ended. You were it, it ended for me in a, in a high note. Mm-hmm. Because after losing the title of the prior Survivor Series, winning it back a year later was like this long, winding road of just what the heck after mm-hmm. what the heck of now he's back where he belongs. Yeah. You know, he is he is who he says he is, and he's the champion. And yeah. that was like vindication yep. of that, beating Diesel, who was as big a guy as there was in the WWF. He was the champion for over a year, or almost a year. Uh-huh. Um, so to me, that was, like, like well-deserved. Like, yes, finally. Like, everything us believers in Brett had been saying since the minute he lost the title was still true. Yep. That's how I felt about the end of his 1995, and it was, to me, also a time when I started to become smarter to wrestling, um... And realizing the resurgence of one Shawn Michaels was on the rise, and you could see the collision course was going to take place before it was really made official. Yeah. And I also knew, too, with everything Shawn Michaels was going through himself, that it only seemed appropriate that he was going to become the champion very soon, and that mm-hmm. Brett's reign as champion wasn't going to be long. But I also was hopeful that, great, he'll, lose, he'll probably lose the belt to Shawn, but then he'll win it right back. That was kind of my... I didn't know he was leaving to go film a TV show or nothing like that. I was just very much like, okay, he's going to he's gonna go back and him and Sean are going to just go back and forth. It's going to be this awesome rivalry where, where he's supposed to be in the serious stuff. Yeah. Versus the the dentist and the, 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 the pirate and all that stuff. Yeah. Now he's where he's supposed to be. Yeah, you mentioned short-term championship run. He was champion from november of 95 till march of 96 uh bulldog undertaker diesel all the big the 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 three names in the three pay-per-view matches um he had that cage match with diesel in your house rage in the cage in february of 96 um which then you know you you like you said that collision course it was coming but it was made official after he had won that match that he was going to face Shawn michaels um Thoughts on that Iron Man match then and now? What was your take? 
then was like, holy crap, like that's, that's, this was also all at the beginning of like WCW and their collection of 80s stars mm-hmm. and I don't want to compare it yet to all elite wrestling and where they are now, but there was the buzz around WCW at this time still, even before Hall and Nash had entered the picture. They were, they were gaining steam. Um, with credible big-name guys, Sting, the Giant, Hulk Hogan, obviously. But, you know, like those skits said, those are the washed-up stars from back in the day, and this is the new generation, and Brett and Sean are leading that charge. And I felt that after seeing that match, like, this is real wrestling. This is what it's supposed to be. This is an athletic contest that means something because they made us believe in it. Um and I've had such high acclaim for that match. It's it's in my top five of favorite matches of all time because the two guys involved and what they are able to do uh-huh. at a time in wrestling that in the WWF wasn't an hour, an hour, going an hour. Yep. Like, that doesn't happen. It, even, it really happens today. Like yeah. So you know, to me, it, it was it was built well too. Very um like you know Rocky esque. Um, it was. To me, it, it, for many years, it was the gold standard of, of matches, probably up until recently, within the last 10 years or so. It, it was the match that I, you know, it was my Steamboat Flair, or Steamboat Savage, for some people, as far as singular matches. Yeah. To me, that was the greatest match of all time for for what wrestling is, not sports entertainment. Um, I'll be honest with you, as a, as a fan at 12 years old at that time... 13 years old, I think I was. I couldn't appreciate the match. I thought it was boring. You know, 60 minutes with the two of them. Um, I didn't think it was terrible, but I was just... I I felt like 60 minutes was too long. Um, As good as it was. And I felt that way for a long time. And then over the years, I'd start to see little things and appreciate it a little bit more. But still, I wasn't like, God damn, this is the end all be all. Right. You know? Until recently. And it was right around WrestleMania time where I put the match on. Because whenever it's WrestleMania time, you get the highlight reels and people talking and retrospectives. And everyone that does a podcast, I'm sure, talks about WrestleMania matches and moments and favorites of this. So um, I thought, why not? I'll watch this match from beginning to end. And uninterrupted, I watched the entire hour, and I gained a newfound appreciation to the point where I understand more why people think that was the greatest match of all time at that time. And I got into the story as, I, as I'm getting older, appreciating things a little more, um, to the point where I'd probably go back and watch it again, um, because it was that good between the two of them. It really was. And... I liked how Brett played the aggressor more in the match with Sean because you were used to seeing Brett as the one that, like you said, could take a beating. And he looked good in taking that beating, but he came back. I liked how he was a little more aggressive. And maybe that was the sign of what was to come when he would eventually come back. Now, um, in 96, his sabbatical... Were you ever concerned if he was ever going to come back? Or were, was it business as usual? Um, 
you know, growing up in Connecticut, Northeast, you know, I never, ever, even in, even in their best days, I never thought WCW was better than the WWF. Um, so I always looked at, especially when the NWO sprouted up that summer and Hogan was the third man and all, everything they were doing that was so revolutionary was happening. I was still very much fixated on the WWF, appreciating Sean's efforts as champion, very much behind Sean because, you know, Brett's my guy, but Sean's 1A yep. to this day. Yeah. So I was very much behind that. But I always said, as you know, even back then, you know, as I was becoming more smart to things, just wait till Bret Hart comes back. Yeah. You know what I mean? That then, you know, there, then there's no question that the WWF is better. Um, so, you know, I, I, that came to be when Stone Cold Steve Austin called him out. And I wasn't, yeah. you know, I don't, I can't recall that night when Bret came back and announced he was coming back and yep. you know, the realism that they added to that with the contract negotiations and all of that. I didn't really, I don't really recall that specifically, but you know, Steve Austin was was on a rise, and he was he was beginning to gain some steam as far as being, you know, a, a, a pretty nasty heel, and he wanted a piece of Bret Hart, and it was to me it was okay. Here we go. All right, you're going to get a piece of Bret Hart. You're going to get the whole fucking pie of Bret <laughs> the Hitman Hart. You know, you know, you think you're so bad. You know, push you know pushing cameramen out the way, walking through the hallways, or beating you know attacking Brian Pillman from behind or whatever it may be, but. You're going to get Bret Hart, and you're going to get everything you deserve because you think you're so cool, you think you're so bad, but you haven't seen nothing until you've seen Bret Hart. So I was excited for Bret to come back. And, you know, to me that was like just him being there made my, again, WWF was not only better, but they were, Bret Hart was Head like LeBron James going to the Golden State Warriors, oh, even wow. though, which is a weird thing to say because yeah. history doesn't look at it that way in 1996, but that's how I felt because I thought that highly of Bret and my loyalty to the WWE was 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 strong at that you know as it still is. So I was I was ready I was ready for Brett to come back and excited to see him face a new fresh guy because you know the, the the landscape had changed. Yep. Now before we get into the the Austin talk, because um, he'll he's gonna definitely play a part in in future discussions regarding Brett. Um, you brought up WCW. And the revolutionary things that they were doing with the NWO and Hogan being the third man. Um, you've read Brett's book. Three times. Yeah, I've read it twice. And in that book, Brett recalls uh, WCW and Eric Bischoff offering him a deal at that time. Um, and indicating that he was going to be positioned to be the third man with Hall and Nash for that big bash at the beach main event. I just recently listened to an episode of 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. It was the best of episode they did. And Brett recalls in his book, um, Conrad was reading the excerpt of the book to Bischoff that, um, in 96, WCW was offering him that same amount of money that he eventually got in 1997, um, but that Brett, Brett couldn't give them an answer, and then they found out when he went on the air that he was jo going back to WWF. Do you think it, Do you think both of those stories are true, that number one, they offered him a deal and he was going to be the third man, and two... He didn't tell WCW 
that he was taking WWF's offer until he showed up on TV because I feel like with the second story, Brett wouldn't burn a bridge like that with a promoter coming knowing where he's come from, like the, the like, and how his he how he grew up in the business mm-hmm. with his father. No, I don't. Th- I don't think he. I don't believe that second part. I don't believe that at all. Um, would it shock me? No, but based on everything I've known and understood, and that's that's kind of news to me. I don't recall that. I don't think Bischoff denies that that he offered he a, him a deal in the, in the fall of '96 when Brett makes the the announcement on right. TV. He and was like, "We never even offered him a contract." Now, that part I'm not sure about. Obviously, uh-huh. that's as good a source to believe as any. Yeah. But everything history is, and rumor and innuendo has said is that that was levy. That offer was levy. Mm-hmm. So for Bischoff to come out years later, after it's been spoken about for over 20 years, to say, especially as animated as he did, to say that that offer was never made, I would need to hear more about that. Yeah. Leave Bischoff more, so I'm probably still erring on that he did offer him that mm-hmm. contract. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm probably I'm, I'm I would probably be more inclined to believe Brett's version and the versions of people around Brett and even in the WCW camp that have said that that was an standing offer. Okay. But again, I would say the the idea that he went out on TV to announce he was staying. And that that was kind of a shoot, and that he didn't tell WCW. I don't, I don't think I could buy that. Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to say that the, that that all parties involved knew what was happening uh, before he went out there. Mm-hmm. At least the need to know people. For okay. Sure. That's right. that would be my stance on that. Okay. At least as we stand now. All right. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned him, Austin, returning the match they had Survivor Series. Give me your thoughts. Um, it was a great way to roll back, roll out the Hitman again. I like those tights he had too. They were like different. Yeah. Like flaming pink. Darker pink. Yeah. yeah. Some yellow, some shades of yellow in there on some trim. Yep. Um, Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's a big deal. And uh, to me, that was Steve Austin's coming out party. It wasn't all? It wasn't the Austin three sixteen line. It was that match right there. I think. Because um, you know, and I, Steve Austin has even said this in interviews. I I popped that Austin three sixteen line, and then two months later, I'm jobbing to Yokozuna on the free for all at SummerSlam. Like, it's a good man. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, so you know, as as over as it's that got, it, it did take time. Um, and I think again, back to Bret Hart making the team. Bret Hart was one of those guys, and I know there's like a you know a variation of this type of meme out there on the internet. You know, the the meme is always like you know you know that old saying when. You're so good at your job that they make you do other people's work. That's <laughs> Bret Hart's career in a nutshell. Especially, you know, in, in terms of, like, he was so good at what he did that, like, he probably deserved more but didn't get it because of the circumstances around him. The team wasn't as well rounded out as it was 10 years prior. Yeah. That he had to he had to reach down, like I said, and, and build, bring guys up. And he got good talent to bring up, too. Yeah. It just needed a driver of the car to do it. And he was, there was no better driver. Yep. You know what I mean? And I would say even then, people talk about how great Sean was even in the mid-90s. He, to me, he wasn't... Sean Michaels was not better than Bret Hart in, in in that stage of their careers. Sean Michaels' legend, I think, surpassed Bret Hart when he came back in 2002. Mm-hmm. But, but if he had never come back after 1998 
and Bret Hart's career it stood where it and is the now. the way it did, yeah. Bret Hart, to me, ranks higher than him as far as all-around, up-and-down career. And his work in the 90s, I think, proves that. Because Sean, Sean had some good, great, flashy performances, but to me, Bret was the constant. Yeah. Brett was. The I would have to agree with you there. Like I, if if it was yeah. fourth and if it was fourth down, you gave the ball to Brett. You gave the ball to Brett. Yeah. You know what I mean, Shawn Michaels could could stretch you long and, and make a big play and get you to the other into field goal range, but it was Brett Hart who who got you that touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's a, 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 a good analogy I can put on that. Um, so yeah, you know, I think you know Brett Hart did that for Steve Austin, and you know it, it, it only got bigger from there for Steve. Yeah, um, the, the the rivalry with Austin kind of bled into, you know, the title picture um, in 1997 and the implications surrounding, um, you know, uh, Brett's uh, growth with his character, if you will. And um, started really with the Royal, I mean, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say Royal Rumble, started actually late 96, the match he had with Sid. At the In Your House It's Time pay-per-view, um, Steve Austin and both Shawn Michaels had some involvement in the match, and Brett did not walk out as the champion. Um, I just watched that match recently, and um, the 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 comments between him and Shawn on commentary and then in the interviews was some pretty heavy stuff. All yeah. the personal jabs they were taking at each other, um, that stuff really kind of started early. Yeah. Um, but that, if I were you, I'd go out of your way to watch that match with Brett and Sid. That was an un, that's a very underrated match. A lot of people kind of give Sid flack for who he is, but um, it, Brett brought him to a really good match. That's the thing. Like there are these little gems. Yep. That Brett was able to do in even minor moments. And yeah, I will say Shawn Michaels on the other side, he started doing those types of things. In my opinion, that were more appreciated. You know, post two thousand two. Mm-hmm. You know, a Monday Night Raw match with Shelton Benjamin or, you know, with Carlito or whoever. You know what I mean? Little yeah, gems yeah, like yeah. that that didn't mean a whole lot, but it was a heck of a damn show and it gave you new appreciation for said guy in the ring, you know? Mm-hmm. And Brett was doing that all through the 90s. And yeah. That's a great example, and I definitely will go out of my way to, to check that out sometime soon. But, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all from, you know, it was at that time, as I'm sure we're going to get into now, that they just the 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 pile of injustices on Bret Hart were being levied towards him to the again to me if this as a fan this is bullshit yeah he's the best there is the yeah. best there was the best there will be he, and everybody knows him. <clears throat> you know he you know why is this happening to him he didn't do anything wrong he's the good guy yep and he and and no one cares that he's not where he should be yeah you know there was just so much anarchy in the WWF at that time that a guy like Steve Austin can get away with winning the Royal Rumble, which, whoo. Yeah, that was, was that was, that was the that. first major injustice right there um, was him losing, was Brett, you know, technically really was the one that won the Royal Rumble, dumps Austin, referees are distracted, Austin sees that, gets back in, dumps everybody out, they turn around, bing, bang, boom, he's your winner. Um, very creative finish. I loved it. It's probably one of my favorite Royal Rumble matches. I would agree, um, yeah. Number one, we ordered it. Mm-hmm. Number two, it was just, it was. I thought the story that was told, um, especially with the finish at the end, was really well done. And, and you know what What I thought was so cool about that Royal Rumble 2, which probably led to the disappointment, was that Bret Hart was so busy being the WWF champion in prior matches, prior Royal Rumbles, that he wasn't in those Royal Rumbles. Yeah. You know, he didn't, 
Granted, he won the 1994 Royal Rumble or has a share of that victory. He was never known for being in a Royal Rumble at yeah. least as a singles wrestler. Yep. He was always busy <clears throat> fighting Diesel or The Undertaker. Yeah. In my conscious, it was like, this is almost a treat. Yeah. Getting Bret Hart in the Royal Rumble. Kind of like when you see Brock Lesnar or a John Cena or That's a The Rock. That's a good point, yeah. Where it's like, this is this made the match even more important. Yeah. And it made him an automatic frontrunner to win the Royal Rumble at that point, heading into WrestleMania. Yeah. And that, and that, that controversial finish led to Final Four, where... They took the last four guys from that Royal Rumble match, Brett Austin, Undertaker, and Vader, and put them in a match. And it was a final four match, which was pinfall, submission, or throwing your opponent over the top rope in a Royal Rumble-style match to determine the vacant WWF champion because Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Um, I like that final four match. That's another underrated match, and I think it's not just Brett's participation, but the other three guys as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and the intensity level that was in that match coming off that controversial finish. But um, all signs pointed to the, that WrestleMania Shawn, being Sean and Brett, the rematch from WrestleMania 12. And and according to the, the, the urban legend, the rumor and innuendo, if you will, Sean... Um, Sean had a knee injury and um, he had to step away um, using the I lost my smile phrase on TV um, and but the, the, the real story behind that according to the rumors is that Sean and Brett were set to meet for Wrestlemania he didn't want to do the job Sean didn't want to do the job to Brett um, this is where you start to see the 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 behind the scenes element of their rivalry come in front of the camera talk to me about your reactions to moments like that losing the smile the 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 comments that these guys would make with each other on commentary you know the match not taking place at WrestleMania and then leading to Brett and Austin at that year's WrestleMania well i felt like when he won the title final four it was again great Mm-hmm. He's here. He's yep. the champion. We're, we're, we're right back on track. Right back to where you're, yeah. Yeah, where he's supposed to be. So when Sean lost his smile, obviously I was looking forward to them squaring off again. But when he lost his smile, I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, Brett's going to become the champion or he's going to face, like, I, I don't even remember if it was Sid or The Undertaker that I thought he was going to work with. But I was like, okay, he'll just. At WrestleMania? Him. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, I just, They scheduled him for Undertaker. I know that. So right, so I I don't. Which I was looking forward to that. And I was just kind of I'm pl- you know trying to play it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was younger, like all right, you know, he's got the, he could face the Undertaker, he could face Sid, you know, there's you know he could even face Steve Austin again. Even though I was kind of sick of Steve Austin at that point, um, which made what happened later even better. Yep. Um, so I was like, okay, well, well Sean will happen later if it if at all, you know. So and then obviously he loses the title the next night to Sid. Another injustice. Another check. Another. You know, what the hell? Yeah. It's bullshit. Um, and then, you know, they, you know, Steve, you know, he, he has the cage match on Monday Night Raw, which in my opinion is the birth of Mr. McMahon, or excuse me, maybe the, the, the conception, the conscious, you know, the, the, the conception, yeah, the conception of Mr. McMahon. He shoves him, and he has that cursed, you know, laden tirade. Uh, about all the injustices, and he was 100% right, and I'll say it to this day, and you could see Vince McMahon just 
becoming Mr. McMahon, just yep. watching him, like, and it's still trying to hold his shit together as the straight lace guy, but you could just see it starting to seep through that he, Mr. McMahon was, you know, being born. Um, but then at that point, it's like, all right, he's got to go get Steve. You know, Steve, Steve took it, Steve took this away from him. You know, now I'm an entitled Bret Hart fan at this point. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's supposed to be the champion. Steve screwed him out. They're going to, you know, they're going to go after it at WrestleMania and, Submission match. I was like, "Who's gonna? He's not gonna. You know, this is Bret Hart's specialty. He's the he's, you know, technical wrestler, the sharpshooter. What what move does Steve Austin have? You know, he had the what the million dollar dream years ago. Yeah. You know, to me, I wasn't necessarily confident because I know how good I knew how good Steve Austin was. You know, I assumed that there would be some sort of hijinks that Steve would, you know, pull out to win the match or you know cheat Bret again. That was like the paranoia in me, but you know. I didn't really look at what happened with Brett as that double turn that now is talked about. Mm-hmm. I looked at it as Bret Hart just being being more firm, being edgier. You know what I mean? He didn't. He wasn't as gracious as he had a chip on his shoulder now. Yep. That's a, probably the best way to put it. You know, yeah. I didn't look at it as him being a bad guy, or even the start of the turn or the double turn successfully being implemented. I didn't look at it like that at all. Even after the main event, when the main when he interrupted the main event, you know at WrestleMania 13, I didn't look at it that either. Like this is Brett's spotlight. I'm becoming a bad guy myself as a fan. Like this is Brett's time, and he's lost it all because of this just this this shit show of, a, of the of a WWF. I I honestly didn't. Uh, this is weird because there were parts of me from like '96. Even into '97, where I was becoming a little smarter, more sophisticated with the product on both ends, WCW and WWF. However, I'm one of those kind of people that, like, when it comes to certain aspects, I have trouble adapting to change. And I was starting to see a change in Bret Hart's character, and I was so used to him being this, you know, this this role model, this goody two shoe, so to speak. This, you know, this common guy, like you and me, that I didn't know what to make of him being this bad guy and how they were portraying him. Um, But I was still intrigued by, by, um, you know, this transformation that he was making, um, which eventually led to forming the Heart Foundation Stable, which we're going to curb that. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on discussing that because sure. uh, we're going we're, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that on next week's show when you know we'll we'll get to that you know you know towards the end but we're gonna we're gonna touch on that as a part of next week's show um, with the, uh, the 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 I'll just come out and say it actually I brought it up advertising last week Calgary Stampede watch party next week here on kicking out it too. Um, from July the 6th of 1997. We are going to be covering that. Um, right before Justin walks down the aisle and says, I do, we're going to watch In Your House Calgary Stampede. Um, Justin, myself, and hopefully Dennis Levy. We're going to get the band back together. Dennis we're, J. Levy. Dennis J. Levy, excuse me. you got to have the middle initial in the, in the gimmick name. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're no gimmick. That's a shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it may look like a gimmick, but it's really a shoot. Um, yeah, so next week, um, check that out. Watch party here on on the wedding day, J- Justin's big day before he uh, before he says I do, and um, 
and 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 ascends to the top of the main event of holy matrimony. Mm. Um, he's gonna watch a in your house Calgary Stampede with myself and Dennis J Levy. Um, so we're gonna hold off on discussing the Hart Foundation as well as Calgary Stampede. Um, <clears throat> we we we've talked about the the title win at SummerSlam. We did a SummerSlam '97 watch party. The first. Watch part, or I should say, the the day the debut episode of Kicking Out at Two um, was that uh, was that show, and um, you kind of briefly touched upon the the impact that the Hart Foundation angle, the Canada vs USA, had on you. What came from that was his storyline with the Patriots. What did you think of Brett versus the Patriots? Post SummerSlam 1997, thought it was like a parody, thought it was like a joke. Yeah. Um, because at this point you just beaten the Undertaker, which again another period where, where right, we're back where we're supposed to be. We're on track. Him as the champion, five-time champion. There had only been one other five-time champion in history, Hulk Hogan, at that point. So it was. He you was know, in uh, an elite he, club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The five timers. Yeah. Like SNL, the five timers club. He got his jacket. Um, so to me, this was just further validation and, and further affirmation about where where he stood in history and where he had to go. And um, I thought the Patriot stuff was almost just it was a, it, not like in a smart mark like this is a joke thing, but like he's got a mask on, he's very 80s driven, the character, you know, it just seems so hokey in a way that you knew Brett was just going to dispose of this guy. Yep. And he didn't necessarily, the Patriot had his number for, you know, a brief moment here and there. So it was kind of like, it was good heat, it got it got Brett more riled up, but I, I was more concerned, especially coming out of SummerSlam, I knew him and Sean was on the horizon again. Yeah. It was very clear at that point. He just waste. He had just laid waste to the Undertaker. He's got to deal with this Patriot goofball. What's next after that? It's Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, and Owen were busy. Austin was busy with Owen. You know yep. what I mean? So it's it's Shawn's coming sooner or later. Yeah. You know, so it was just not a matter many of, left. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just it was just a matter of getting to that. And at that point, before Montreal and all that went down, as far as you know what was to come to light, it was just a matter of all right. Everything else is out of the way, and he's going to finally get that rematch, and he's going to win. So let me ask you this. Now we're at that point where it's, you know, Survivor Series, Montreal Screwjob, Brett versus Sean. Um, not knowing all the behind the scenes at this time regarding his contract and Vince asking him to take a pay cut and him helping Brett renegotiate a deal with Bischoff to go to WCW. I felt this sense of change coming at this time, heading into the hype with Brett and Sean. Sean was just turned bad. Him and D, him and Triple H and China, they had formed Degeneration X. Um, it's funny because history doesn't look at it like and that. And Brett, yeah, that's how it went down. Brett was becoming a babyface again. Yeah, exactly. Like I remember but this the, one instant, okay, where. Sean and Hunter were so good at being bad guys, although I was really digging this Heart Foundation USA Canada thing and Brett and all of them, you know, being bad guys as well. And I was like, there's two bad guys wrestling each other. But yeah, like, I never thought of it like that because that's how much I felt about Brett. Yeah. I felt like he just became You had a, a different take again. on it. But 
I remember this one instant. It was on an episode of Monday Night Raw where, um, and this is where, like, I felt like, ooh, like Bret Hart coming back as a baby face, but with, like, a little bit of an edge to him. Like, this would be cool. Almost kind of along the same vein of, like, when Owen returned after the screw job and had, like, a little bit of a, like, a dark side to him. Yeah, yeah. You know? A little bit more of an attitude, I guess you could say. And they show footage of the Nation of Domination's locker room getting trashed, and they spray-painted, like, Malcolm X, and, you know, even, like, I think they even spray-painted, like, KKK, like, Ku Klux Klan, I want to say, and um, they trashed their locker room. And DX implicated the hearts. So he's like pink spray paint, didn't there? There was like pink spray paint, and I think like maybe like one of the guy's jackets was left in the room or something, and DX was the one that was kind of stirring it up and implicated. So the nation came out and they were like, Heart Foundation, you trashed our locker room, blah, 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 blah. You know, we want a PCU. And I was like, ooh, this would be interesting. The nation. And the Hart Foundation. Because at that time, it was all about factions. Mm -hmm. Everyone had a faction. Mm -hmm. So, Brett's music played. And the guys were coming out. And they were coming out one by one. And they were putting on their jackets as they were coming out through the curtain. Almost like... It had this vibe. It's like, oh, we're running late. You know what I mean? And to the viewer, it was like, well, they didn't have anything to do with that. Is definitely DX because they're implicating the hearts and the hearts are nowhere to be found. And when they all came out, it was like the crowd like popped for them. And it, they were in America, mind you. They weren't in Canada. So it was that moment where I was like, I can kind of get behind the hearts again like as good guys or as baby faces mm -hmm. like against the nation and dx i was like okay brett's got a little bit more of an attitude he's a little more aggressive let's see how they incorporate that into him being a good guy again and i thought like oh this is gonna be great with him and sean at survivor series and i didn't know about any of the rumors that he was going to be leaving or he had already agreed to leave and sign with wcw until late that night, Sunday night, after the pay-per-view, I went on the internet, I looked at some of the news and rumors on some of the old dirt sheet sites, and basically they recounted, you know, what took place. But you know what, I, and I made my memory, if my, I feel like... Maybe I'm wrong, but... I feel like we had found out, because remember, the WWF leaked that Brett was leaving before the Survivor Series that weekend. They went on to, like, maybe you're, online. Maybe and it was you're like right. was, like, a blog or whatever, a statement from Vince McMahon yeah. about how okay. Bret Hart was leaving. Um, and you don't know the... You know, only later would you find the inside reasons for why yeah. it leaked and everything. But I remember hearing, like, oh, my God, is he really leaving? Okay, you know is what? Now like, I vaguely remember that. But I didn't okay. look at it as a shoot or a... Yeah. Like, I didn't know what to make of it. Like, yeah. Because I, I couldn't imagine a world Okay, I'm heart. starting to... It's starting to come back to me a little bit. It, but it was kind of... It, 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 it started to almost take the shine away from the match. Mm -hmm. That buzz that he could be leaving. Yeah. Because um, you're like, what are you talking about? He's the champion. He's going to beat Sean and what's going to... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it it kind of took the took away from the match. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the match happened, and then we find out that night, the next day, I feel like you told me that night, like I was woken up to it, I almost, if I remember correctly, um, you came home from somewhere, or you came into bed, and I was already sleeping, because I think we shared room at the time, and you'd, you'd, you'd read it, after, you know, what had happened, and you, Bret Hart was in the sharpshooter, and Sean put him in it, and Vince McMahon called for the bell, and, you know, he really is leaving, if I remember correctly, and, and you know, Sean, he didn't, he didn't give up, he didn't give up, and, you know, stuff like that, and, and it was like, you know, they screwed the, they screwed him out of the title, and he, and he did the WCW, you know, finger thing, and he's going to WCW, and it's like, that was hard, man. That was, yeah. that was that's a world without Bret Hart in the WWF, you know, that would be like if The Undertaker went all elite, you know what I mean? Think about it now like that, you're like, that's just, I couldn't imagine a world like that, but at the same time, there was also the possibilities of all the guys he could wrestle in WCW, where I was like, to me, I was like, now he's going down to the, the B League, as far as I was concerned, again, and he's going to wrestle all these guys. Hogan was I thought one. WCW was, I thought WWF was done for when Brett left, because WCW was so red hot. To me, I didn't know what direction they were going anymore, because Brett was their, was their front man, as far yeah. as I was concerned. So when Brett was going to WCW, I, I was like, all right, let's wait and see what happens. Obviously, I got to tune in to see, but it was very much like, okay, well, let's see what happens. But at least I now have a reason to watch WCW outside of the, the first hour they're on un, unabated. You know, mm-hmm. it's a Raw. Yeah. You know, he's going to wrestle Hogan. That was the one I always wanted to see because, again, to me, that was the fantasy matchup. Yeah. That was the, oh, yeah. The generations. And then there was him and Sting, Scorpion Deathlock versus the Sharpshooter, him and Macho. You know, all these matches that he could have. Him and Flair. Luger. I was, I was like, yeah, him and Luger. Like, all the stuff that they could do. I was very excited for Bret Hart yeah. to go to WCW. Um, that was the silver lining that I gave my... My, my heart was broken when he got screwed. Um, again, as a young fan, not knowing everything that's been said and reset and then changed back and forth in the years since, that was, like... I was very back and forth, like, oh, no, he's gone. What's going to happen to the WWF? But you know what? Brett's going to do awesome in WCW. Only a matter of time before he's the champion there. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about um, his WCW run. Um, His involvement with the NWO on multiple occasions. The amount of times they turned him heel and babyface. The steel plate angle with Goldberg. Uh, My attention span with Brett and WCW was very short. I was going to say, because you, you, you've said before you weren't a big WCW guy, but Brett was your guy. So talk to me a little bit about what you recall of during his time with, with, in I WCW. I when they put him in the NWO. I thought he was the perfect guy to lead the charge with Sting against the NWO. You, are you, now, which, which version of the NWO are you referring to? Are you referring to when he joined... The black and white, or when the he first was time he joined the NWO, the leader. The second time, to me, that was like it didn't matter. Okay, the silver NWO with Jeff Jarrett. Okay, that was like whatever. Okay, care. That, by that point, I was already tuned out. Gotcha. And um, you know, again, he was so in and out at that point that it was like it was hard to buy in. Okay. Um, I didn't look at Brett as over the hill either at that point. Either it was just like, well, make me care. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, there was tons of matches I wanted to see with him, and again, I, I, I liked the flair match, and you know, that's a natural rivalry. Again, I was dying to see him and Hogan, and again, when they put him in the NWO the first time, I was like, well, now I don't get to see him and Hogan. 
Yeah. Right? Like, what the hell? Like I said, he was a perfect, coming from what happened, just happened to him, he's a perfect guy to lead the charge against the evil that is the NWO. Yeah. Wherever that was going to go, you know? But I was, as far as, you know, things that I, again, I, I look forward to all those big matchups. One that I quietly look forward to is him and Chris Benoit. Who wasn't? Yeah, a, I think that I, he I, wasn't I, a main. He wasn't a main star then. He was a. He was still, you know, in the in the mid card. But I, I think was, a lot of people look forward to that rivalry because of the Canadian yes, ties. I yes. think that's what really. That's that's definitely what it was. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 you know, as far as my memories of WCW, there are there there aren't many. Um, the stuff with Goldberg and the plate wasn't. I didn't care. I didn't. Yeah. I was like, the streak had already ended. You know what I mean? But to me, I was like, well, you know, he did beat him. You know, he beat him more fair and square and more smart than the cheating way that Hall and Nash beat him up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But to me, didn't really care. And and I was, the, I kind of tuned out a little bit with him in WCW until after Owens passing when it was a serious question whether Bret Hart was ever coming, coming back. Coming back, yeah. I was on pins and needles wanting yep. to know what happened. I remember there was a Monday Nitro around 4th of July or something like that at the Georgia Dome where he came out and made this very emotional speech and he had a hard time getting through it where he just wasn't sure what he was going to do. Yeah, I remember that. And it left, it was very open-ended and I'm like, well, what's happening? Like, it was, that was tough to watch because I, you, you know, real life is playing out here and you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then when he came back and he was in the WCW Championship Tournament, this was, uh, to me, this was like, this is the opportunity you know what I mean? And then it was such a perfect match. Not perfect, but... It was a good match. But it was uh, very... It, having him beat Benoit, I thought was so cool to win the championship. His history with Owen, the history together. Mm-hmm. And again, another moment where he's exactly where he's supposed to be. You know what I mean? And it seems like that's just the story of his career. Right when he's getting exactly where he's supposed to be, that's it goes downhill from there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every title win was, yes, this is where he needs to be. Finally, he's here. He deserves it. And then just as quickly as, or not as quickly as, after the long journey there, he falls right off the mountain because Goldberg comes through and kicks him in the head not too long after that. And then it was a question of whether he would be back or not. Mm-hmm. The NWO stuff, didn't really care for that. The stuff with Terry Funk, Goldberg and the, 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 the limousine, didn't, eh, it, it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. My last memory of Bretton WCW is when, Landstorm and Team Canada were a thing, and I was digging Landstorm. Yeah, any Canadian wrestler I was digging, and I dug Landstorm. Storm is cool. I like Storm and WCW. That whole Team Canada gimmick, and then he came out and helped Landstorm at I believe it was New Blood Rising. Yep. In two thousand. Yes. And I think that was the last time he was even on WCW TV. He came out and helped him win the match. They walked out together, and it was like, great, this is something. Like maybe he's not going to wrestle anymore, but he'll manage Team Canada. Yeah. And like they'll be this unstoppable like force. That went nowhere. That was it. Yeah. That was it for his WCW run, and and you know, you know, I, I was I, I was I was I wasn't sad when he retired when it was kind of official at that point. I was kind of like, you know, he had a great career. You know what I mean? The wrestling had changed so much in in that time that it was. I felt bad that the inju- I felt bad the injury. You know, put him out. And yeah. Get to go out on his terms. Um, but yeah. I was, but you know what, the, the, the part of that that I think I was happy with was because I loved the guy so much that I was like, you know what, he's healthy. Like, mm-hmm. this is so weird to have that personal connection with someone that I was like, he's healthy, he's safe, you know, let him go enjoy being the wholesome family man that I know that he is, so yep. I believe that he is, you know. 
so I was kind of happy that he wasn't there anymore and that he wasn't wrestling. And I, and I assumed eventually, didn't know how or when, that he would wind up back in the WWF in some sort of role. Didn't know how or when, and rumors would pop up every once in a while after that, that it would happen. But I was happy that he was out of that mess and that he was healthy and safe. Yeah. Um, his retirement, his, his, his years outside of the ring... Um First few years didn't really treat him too kindly. He suffered a stroke in 2002. Um, came back from that um, almost miraculously, um, which is you know which is a great considering you know the, the, all the concussion issues that he had stemming from the injury with Goldberg. Um, the DVD in 2005 that WWE put out, mm-hmm. um, that was one of those, like, hell froze over kind of moments. Like, holy shit. Like, he's he, back. He's back. I think that back. was on the website, too. Yeah, they put it on the website. They announced that he was going to do the DVD, and I was like, holy shit. Like, he's going to do it. Wow. Like, like yeah. you, you knew he wasn't going to wrestle, but, like, he was going to get his moment, like, to kind of almost, like, I guess you could say say goodbye. Yeah, that's um, how I looked at it. Which led to his his uh, Hall of Fame induction in two thousand six. Um, he kind of got to you know address the wrestling fans one last time, and if we never saw Bret Hart again after that, I think everything would have been okay. Yeah. Um, but he did come back in two thousand and ten. Well, well, before we get to that, okay, I want to. So I'll take you. So I remember where I was when I watched that Hall of Fame ceremony. I was at my friend Ryan's house. My friend Ryan Smith. And I knew the Hall of Fame ceremony was on. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, amidst another weekend night of partying, <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to step out from this beer pong tournament I'm crushing, and I'm going to watch Bret Hart get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that was pretty awesome to see, pretty emotional. Yeah. And, the, and how frail he was, too, was, I don't want to say jarring, but like, man, life hit him hard. Oh, yeah, you, you saw him differently. But you were just so wow. happy to see him, yeah. too. And I remember the comment he made after the speech that made me almost at ease with everything he had gone through with the stroke and all the family drama and his, you know, with Owen passing. Mm-hmm. Again, you grow up following that every step of the way. Yeah. And he, he ended the speech or got close to the end of the speech and he said, you, you know, you don't have to worry about me anymore. And that was like real. Like, you, you worried about the guy because, yeah. you know, he was, he was, no, you did. life took a toll on the guy. Yeah. He, he, he said point blank, you know, I'm, I'm okay now. You don't have to worry about me anymore. And that, him saying that, like, took a weight off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Not that I worried about the guy day in and day out, but, yeah, yeah. you know, that was that was a real feeling of relief yep. for, for me and I'm sure millions of others who watched it that, you know what, he is good. He is in a good place. Yeah. Um, and it's really, in many ways, been uphill, like you said, you know, going back to where you were, where you were going. Yeah, you know, his return in 2010, um, he kind of got to blow off... Um, the you know put an exclamation point to the end of uh, the Montreal screw job with Vince um, having a key storyline heading into WrestleMania 26, which culminated in a match between the two. Um, not the technical masterpiece that we've all uh, come to know and love from Bret Hart, but um, it made sense that it was a beating that he was giving Vince, you know, yep. that it made sense that, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, it was, like I said, wasn't a technical masterpiece. Didn't need to be. That wasn't the story. Uh, but 
uphill ever since, you know. Um, you were at that WrestleMania. I'm sure that was a big moment for you. Uh, yeah. Um, that, that's definitely up there as well. Yeah, right. talk about it. Um, Let us know. know. I'll go back to um, when he first returned. When he, you know, he had already done the Hall of Fame. But this was, like, different because he was walking into a WWE arena, getting into a WWE yeah. for the first time in yep. over 12 years. So that was huge in itself. And I remember that was happening head-to-head with Hulk Hogan's debut in TNA live from the Impact Zone. Yeah, that's right. That Hogan-Bischoff regime. They went on Monday night. Head-to-head. And, yeah. and, and I, I tuned in for that first hour of TNA, and, I, and they, they were playing with their segments to get Hulk Hogan's grand entrance around that top of the hour of Raw to try to compete but once I think I was sitting in the room with Daryl and I said we're turning on Monday night yeah. oh, there ain't no way in hell I'm missing, missing this yeah. and that was another like very emotional moment watching those two guys air it out in a very emotional way you could see it it was real and yeah. I just remember standing up and just like hands on my head like this is like like the cold war is over yep. you know what I mean that's how I looked at it like, yeah. this, they're friends you know and, the, and it, if the, the handshake was was good, and then they kind of teased the little sweet chin music, and then Sean comes in and they embrace, and that was just like, whew, it's over. Yeah, you know what I mean. Only good from here, you know. And then the the thing with Brett and Vince at WrestleMania, like I said, probably one of my favorite moments ever because that was actually the very first time I saw Bret Hart live. That's think, crazy. Think about that. Yeah, as someone who's watched wrestling for longer than he can remember, who grew up idolizing that guy that's the first time i got to see him wrestle wow um so that always holds a special place in my heart i remember us talking about that in that lead up seeing where it was going to go and how it would play out and mm-hmm. i know we were you know he's older he's frailer they kind of worked that leg injury that he had from the car accident to kind of, and we kind of were smart enough to know like oh they're doing that to mask his limitations and things like that and it's street a, fight no old spar yeah and I, and I remember we were like we we're, we're not gonna you know we're not gonna see a Bret Hart masterpiece and I think I remember saying something to you or to somebody else like I'm not paying to see Bret Hart wrestle I'm paying to see Bret Hart yeah because that's the name yeah that's all that mattered to me yeah. so I got to see him walk down the aisle and just have one more match against his ultimate rival now at this point real life Vince McMahon and you know as I've said to you before if there was a uh, a time that character should have been ended. It was there in the ring of yeah. heart. It was. It was where it all started, so, really. Yeah. So yeah, that was awesome. Um, and then to, to again to see how he's, you know, carried public life and, and life as this esteemed legend since then. It's had its ups and downs, but um, you know, in terms of things he said or things he's done, or how people have treated him or what have you. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know. For the life he, what a life he's lived, you know, to, you know, I look at what he, you know, I think, you know, we're at the part now where, you know, he's, he's become very outspoken about things and, and, and very, and some places it's not appropriate. Yep. I think the comments he's made and I can't, you know, defend a lot of the things he'll say or has yeah. said, and, but, you know, I'm not saying he's earned the right to say and speak his mind, but he, but you know, he's like any one of us. He has an opinion. Oh yeah. Um, he, you know, not everyone deals with the forms of social media and podcasting and live microphones and, and candid remarks. Well, and you know, Bret Hart's one of those guys, you know, he's, he's certainly not the most um, articulate of people when it comes to that, you know, he's going to say what he feels and take it or leave it. Um, you know, but I will say, um, you know, the last time I saw him at the Hall of Fame this year, WrestleMania, 
I don't oh, know. Yeah. Did you had anything in between before? No, I no, 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 no. I mean, no. You, you kind of, you kind of, you know, uh, encapsulized. You know, these last few years where you know he's just kind of made sporadic appearances, but he's also had some things to say about guys. And yeah, uh, and to know. me, it's like, and we've talked about this. Like, it's it, it comes off as bitter, and, to, and 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 it's it's a lot of like, you know what, man? Like, yeah, you were wronged here, or you may feel you were wrong, but you know what? Like, let's be more positive. Yeah. You know, he has very harsh words to say about Eric Bischoff to this day. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. And it's like, can't we all just get along? Like, I, I've I've tried for the longest time to, like, when it came to him. And, it, and we've been very positive about Brett. I'm not trying to end this recording on, like, a negative note. But, like, um, for the longest time when he would make negative comments about people... Whether it's like the guys in the clique, Sean, Vince, um, his stuff with Hogan and Bischoff, Flair, he's been very outspoken about. I tried to, I, I tried to, I shouldn't say I tried to. I would associate it with Montreal and like his bitterness about Montreal. He's so angry. But as the years would go on and he would be so bitter towards different guys that had nothing to do with Montreal. Right. And the things that Sean wrote about him in Sean's book, where, you know, Brett had an ego and, you know, Brett was just as much of a prima donna as he was. I started to believe some of that stuff. And I told you this story and I said it, I might have even said it on this podcast, but the day I lost respect for Bret Hart, and this may sound biased because I'm a Hulk Hogan guy, was when he made remarks about Hulk Hogan after he was fired over the racist comments with that sex tape the same week that Roddy Piper died. And the guy who was interviewing Brett was interviewing Brett about Piper. And he asked Piper a question totally unrelated to Hulk Hogan and Brett responded with, I bet Hulk's happy that Roddy's dead because yeah. that takes all the heat off of him for being a racist. Yeah. And that was where I was like, he wasn't even in the fucking conversation. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm it, all it, done. It's hard to, it's hard to, again, you don't, I can't defend it. It's, again, it's, it's, it's going, it's going backwards in, in recalling your less than desirable experiences with a guy like Hogan or a Bischoff or the Click. And bringing that back, and it's digging stuff up, and it's not healthy. Yeah. Um. So it is. Um. Like he shit talks Triple H, and that's the same guy that pays him to sometimes appear on WWE TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just put you in the Hall of Fame again. Yeah. Again, which you deserved. I'm not saying you didn't deserve, but then you're gonna talk trash about that company. Yeah. Like, it's come on. on. Yeah. It's just it's. It's going backwards, and and it's and I don't think it's called for, you know. And in that setting, when you know he's being interviewed about Roddy Piper, who had just passed away, who, mind you, was one of his best closest friends. Yeah, in they practically too. called each other family, cousins yeah. in some ways, you know. Like, come on, like I just thought that was that's where I like drew the line. I was, and then like, and now he also had battled cancer, okay. And I was like, well. Cancer didn't humble him in any way, shape, or form if he's going to speak about people like that. But at the same time, you are who you are 
before you get this disease. Yeah. And even after. I, that shouldn't really... Yeah, I think I think he's... He, I think, part of me feels like he knows he has a lot of um, equity or a lot of leeway with the fans because he's so adored yep. to this day. Um, and I think that's where he feels that he can speak free, freely. Yeah. Not everything needs to be a hot take. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, again, he has so much to look look at positively. And he would say it and still does. You know, his career is not defined by Montreal and all that stuff. And, you know, that's the stuff I wish we talked about more, and we still do. And I love that's why I love this episode that we're doing, because it, we get to talk about the body of work, you know, the museum that is Bret Hart. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, that the, it speaks volumes to, you know, to maybe try to put a bow on this as best we can about who Bret Hart is. Again, it, it never gets old seeing your childhood hero. And when I got to see him at the Hall of Fame, you know, that was... That was awesome. Again, you know, and, and, and to, for him, you know, the responsibility you could tell he felt to, to honor his brother-in-law, um, you know, who was sharing that honor with him, I thought was special. Yeah. Um, while, you know, I, no, it was really cool. You know, and, and, and of course, what went down with, with you know, the, the individual who jumped in the ring, that was a very alarming, very scary moment for a brief period of time. You know, but I really loved, and I've said this to you since it happened, I really loved the the instant instinctual reaction of everybody who jumped in the ring to help him and save him. Yeah. From what could have been a disastrous tragedy. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. And to who me, that, that's the brotherhood that Bret Hart represents. Like I yeah. said at the beginning, the brotherhood of wrestling, you know, that's what I saw on display. I didn't see a sick, you know, deranged individual try to, you know, upstage an event. I saw a brotherhood go in and, yeah. and he, you know, the, the you know the the revival getting their their shots in and, you know Travis Brown you know getting his shots in and, and all for Bret Hart yep and they would have done it for anybody for that oh part. yeah but that's the brotherhood that Bret Hart lives and dies by yeah to this day and I yeah, think that's that's, that's, that's part so of cool and 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 you know that to me speaks to how highly respected he still is and you know you know I love Bret Hart. You know yep. what I mean? Like I said, that's that's my hero. And, um, you know, a part of me, even though way up in the rafters of the Barclays Center, watching that happen, you know, you and I, we've worked in nightclubs. You know, you see a scrap happen with your boys or your brothers. You know, you know it's handled. Yep. But you still want to get in there. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly how I felt. Like, I'm too, you know, I'm 100 feet up in the air, but what I would give to have gotten in there and helped my hero, oh, man. But, you know, again... The, the it just speaks to how highly regarded he is. They bring him out to all double or nothing. AEW, release, yeah, yeah, to 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 uh, unveil the inaugural the or the, the championship belt. You know that's that's a Bret Hart role. Yeah, you know what I mean that's how highly regarded Bret Hart is. And it you know again, you know the respect for Bret Hart is 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 infinite. And you know that's a guy who's going to live forever because you know the impact he's made on the lives of not just his fans but the people around him. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. I think I think that about does it. I think we, uh, I, I think we did a good job covering, uh, like you said, the museum that was Brett the Hitman Hart here on this my favorite collections episode. Um, simply put, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Hands down. Yep. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, as much as I don't respect the man <laughs> currently, um, you can't knock his body of work and. Uh, you know, I, I I do look back fondly on some of the memories that he had created um, as for me as a fan growing up. Um, glad you were able to be a part of this one. Like I said, as we march towards the, the altar, 
Um, we're getting closer and closer. Next week's final stop before you make it and say I do to Laura. Um, we're going to sit down and watch In Your House Calgary Stampede from July 6, 1997, a special wedding day watch party. Uh, Justin, Dennis, and myself, uh, we're not going to actually do it on the wedding day because you're going to be pretty busy that day, but we're going to be recording this probably before your wedding day next week. So by the time this drops next week, July the 3rd, 2019, um, We'll probably be at the at the at the venue getting ready um, for 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 Justin's big day. But um, you know, Justin Dennis and myself before he makes that march to the altar uh, are going to enjoy Calgary Stampede in your house from July 6, nineteen eighty seven. We want you to enjoy it with us as well by logging on to your WWE network and watching it with us. Special kicking out at two watch party wedding day watch party of in your house Calgary Stampede. And you know what? I think it's about that time we put this show in the sharpshooter. Not the three count, the sharpshooter. There's no kicking out at two or three. You guys are going to be tapping out to the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And we'll see you all next week.